Welcome to the Alberta Health Services COVID-19 podcast. In this episode, Dr. Colin Birch, Department Head of Obstetrics and Gynecology for Calgary Zone, answers questions about the impact the COVID-19 pandemic is having on expected mothers and families of newborns. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Birch. For anyone who's expecting right now, how will the current COVID-19 pandemic impact their delivery plan? It really shouldn't impact the delivery plan at all. Um, what we're doing in the hospital is to make sure that we're actually giving the same experience, uh, but making and providing it a safe environment. And I think the, the message we need to have is that the hospital is a safe place to go to have your baby at this point in time. And I do agree that COVID cases are coming to the hospital, but we've put many steps in place to make sure that the hospital remains a safe place to have your baby. From a health perspective, do families have anything to worry about as it pertains to the health of their unborn child? We do know uh, from the evidence that the, the virus does not seem to be transmitted to the unborn child. Um, and that's been proven by taking cultures from blood, from the amniotic fluid, the fluid around the baby, from the placenta after deliveries. So it's what we call vertical transmission, i.e. direct transmission through the placenta to the baby. So from the perspective of transmission to the baby, data to current data uh, really suggests that we're not seeing a direct spread during the pregnancy itself. That said, the infections with COVID with mothers probably becomes more important in the late trimester, like last third of pregnancy, where if you get a COVID infection, uh, there is an increased risk of being increased in severity. And the other thing regarding the unborn baby is we have noticed, and again, there is, the literature on this is quite small, and the, is the, quite small numbers, is that um, we are seeing a slightly increased risk of prematurity. And what we're seeing in labor, and I, and I must emphasize that if you're COVID positive, you really have to have your baby in the hospital. And the reason for that is, is that COVID-positive patients in China and developing literature out of Italy shows that the increased risk of heart rate abnormalities during labor requiring interventions such as cesarean section. And the literature we have from China, um, um, uh, Dr. Chen, suggests almost 50% of patients will be having, or babies will be having abnormal heart rates during labor. And that's the reason why it's, it's so important to have the baby in hospital. Is there anything expectant families should be doing to help stay healthy in the days and weeks ahead of delivery? I think there's a, a general advice. I don't think there's anything specific advice to pregnancy. Uh, social distancing, of course, is important. I think it's important that, uh, that patients get outside for their own mental health. But even when they're outside, maintain that social distancing we expect of, every, expect of everybody. Um, obviously, you're going to follow isolation guidelines just like everybody else. Good diets continue to exercise are all important aspects in pregnancy that there's nothing specific for the pregnant woman. What about regularly scheduled visits with their OBGYN? Yes we are addressing that because obviously um, as we see or if we see an increase in number of COVID positive patients what's going to happen is obviously we want those patients to be separate from the non-COVID infected patients. So what we've implemented across the city is a series of phone or virtual health visits. Now I do accept that obstetrics is a very tactile speciality. We take blood pressures, we feel babies. So there are gonna be in-person visits, but we've implemented a, a system whereby 
we don't have waiting rooms and people sitting in waiting rooms in that exposure to other people. Um, different models are the same where patients will be called into the clinics when there is space and room available so that those visits will be straight into a room, seen straight out of a room again and all the visitation scheduling will be done by phone as opposed to in person. So what we're trying to do is trying to decrease that, that in-person contact but maintaining sufficient in-person contact that we don't miss any pregnancy complications. So just to clarify, patients will be notified if or how any of these changes affect them? Absolutely. In the early parts of pregnancy, the, that pregnancy schedule, which is used about every four weeks, may be lengthened uh, in an otherwise healthy pregnancy. But obviously that's going to be individualized to patients and with conversations with patients, that's all going to be scheduled. Same with ultrasounds. We, obviously ultrasound is a, a big part of obstetrical care. That we are going to move to a model where we are going to continue to doing the necessary ultrasounds, but ultrasounds which are perhaps done for social type reasons, they are not going to be part of the ultrasound uh, surveillance at this point. What if an expectant family is currently self-isolating as a precaution? Does that change the delivery plan in any way? It does. Um, the way that it changes it is obviously if they're isolated, it means they've either been in contact or suspicious of being in contact or have symptoms themselves or their partner has symptoms. And so we have to be respectful of that because when the patient comes to the hospital, the pregnant patient, we're screening. So how it may affect is that uh, more from the partner perspective. So if you've been isolated, we're going to be treating you as though you have COVID so that not to expose other people. Um, but uh, there'll be a specific rooms you'll go into, which will be isolate rooms, very similar to COVID patients. And obviously patients aren't sharing rooms or in individual rooms. What if the expectant mom is actually sick with COVID-19 at the time of delivery? The actual process of labor is exactly the same. Um, the only difference is going to be in isolate because we are going to treat her as though she's COVID positive. We have to. Um, they, what will happen is, is when we're met at triage, they'll be directed rather than to a triage area, which is our sort of pre-labor area, we'll be going directly to a room, which is an isolated room. So it's slightly different. That transition through the triage, which is the entry to labor and delivery and into the actual labor and delivery area, will be expedited so they aren't lingering around other patients who are not COVID positive or not isolated. What we're doing and what likely will come to pass is in the late third trimester, late last third of the pregnancy, towards labor and delivery, those patients who are isolating, those patients that have symptoms that don't meet the criteria for swabbing, but have symptoms and will be isolating in the hospital, will we get expedited swabbing for those patients so we have a diagnosis so we can say, yes, you go to an isolated room or no, you don't go to an isolated room. Let's say someone in the expectant mother's home is sick. How will that impact the situation? Unfortunately, that's a, that's a problem. That's a very much a social problem, which is very difficult. Uh, pregnancy and labor and delivery is a very important time for families. And it's important we, we emphasize family-centered care. However, in the interest of safety, we have to move to an, a situation where if a partner is COVID positive or symptomatic or isolated, they will not be allowed onto labor and delivery or into the obstetrical floor. How does the current situation affect who and how many people can come support mom? 
currently it's a one visitor only and the, the system we're running is that one visitor is not allowed to exchange out with somebody else. When they arrive in the hospital with their partner who's pregnant, they will get a band and that band travels with them. So if they leave, the band gets taken off. So we have a one visitor policy, both in labor, so as a port person in labor and in postpartum. And what we're trying to do to try and decrease the burden on the health system, and this is not to say that the hospital is unsafe, we're trying to get patients uh, early discharge within 24 hours after vaginal delivery just to take the burden off the actual hospital itself. What about midwives? Midwives have their own independent practice and as midwives, midwives are still taking care of labour and delivery patients. The COVID positive patients will become under the obstetrician because as I previously mentioned, there's an increased risk in labour of having abnormal heart rate abnormalities in the baby leading to caesarean section. But the midwives are part of our team. They're part of the uh, pregnancy care that we give and an important part at that point. And they will continue with midwifery care. And what about doulas? No, uh, we unfortunately, well, unless of course a patient decides in labour that she prefer the doula rather than her partner, that's fine but it's one person. So once you've designated that one person, that's it. Could there be exceptions? If there is some exceptions, there will be very few and obviously they'll be dealt with on a, on a person by person uh, situation, but we're very firm on the one person at this point in time. How about visitors after the baby is born? The visitation will be when they go home and that visitation with appropriate social distancing when they are home as well. There'll be no flowers, there'll be no balloons, there'll be no extraneous, all cupboards are locked down. This is a very clean area where people go to. Should new families automatically self-isolate after returning home from the hospital? What about visitors and well-wishers? I think the social distance and, and I, my personal feeling is that visitation should be kept to a minimum until we're through this particular COVID crisis. Um, because, and the problem with, of course, is, is the asymptomatic carriage. So you don't want to expose a newborn, of a newborn who may not be from a COVID mother, but you don't want to expose them to an extra number of people who may be, because everybody wants to be close to a baby. Everybody wants to hold a baby, kiss a baby, and really, that really doesn't play into the social distancing they're expecting people to be. So I think, however socially um, inappropriate that might be, is, I think it's the most appropriate in this COVID crisis. If a mom tests positive for COVID-19, does she need to be isolated from the child? Really, the data we have and the recommendation we have is that mother and baby do not have to be separated, and especially if it comes to breastfeeding. If the mother's COVID positive, obviously the closer contact the baby has, the more risk the baby has. So what we're recommending is if the mother's breastfeeding, for instance, that she masks during that time, so it doesn't breathing all over the baby, that ahead of time there's proper hand hygiene that's done. Um, there are different ideas regarding whether the, the skin is cleaned around the breast in order for preparation for breastfeeding because of settling of uh, large droplets which contain COVID um, but we're not we are recommending that um, mother and babe stay together there's some recommendations that um, if you're bottle feeding for instance it may well be 
you get your partner to be doing the bottle feeding and obviously they have to make sure you go through all the sterilization procedures if you are bottle feeding. If you're breastfeeding, we're encouraging skin to skin um, with the data we have at this point in time. So you're still encouraging breastfeeding? Breastfeeding is important. Um, and again, it's a balance of baby getting affected both the benefits of breast milk. We do recognize, and it's been shown that there's from cultures that there's no COVID in the breast milk, the data we have at this point in time. And again, it's evolving, but the, the, what little research has been done on this has showed there's no COVID virus within the actual breast milk itself. So we're encouraging breastfeeding. And obviously that's dictated by the well-being of the mother. If the mother's got COVID and is significantly ill, then probably won't want to breastfeed anyway. And of course, the condition of the baby depending upon how it's born and, and the usual parameters we have from a point of view of babies being in NICU, for instance. Is there anything else you'd like to add? This is the, an important and enjoyable time in the lives. It's important. And our intent is to not to take away from that experience as much as possible, but have processes in place to make sure that event is safe for both mother and baby. Thanks, Dr. Birch. You have been listening to the Alberta Health Services COVID-19 podcast. For the latest information on COVID-19, please visit alberta.ca forward slash COVID-19. Thanks for listening.